You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. I am Zach on Film. Across from me is Steven Schleicher. Hey, Zach. What's up, Steven? Um, the horse's eyes, the last thing you see before it all goes dark. Yeah. Those kind of things, probably. Cool. I, I guess seven days later, you die. All right. Sounds really exciting. Yeah. We'll get into that later. All yeah. the way across the internet, Matthew Peterson. Seven days. We are continuing. $2. I want my $2. We are continuing our trek down horror movie lane, uh, culminating with the omen right before I have a child because Steven <laughs> is me. <It's> <laughs> well, no, but this is interesting because uh, the ring is the ring has what it's not the most recent because there have been others that have been been more recent than this. But the ring is a great example of and the omen also creepy kid syndrome in your horror movies. We've seen this in uh, yeah. the uh, The Shining. We've seen yep. it in The Ring. We will see it in The Omen. We've seen it in... Uh, there's one more that we watched that has creepy kid syndrome. But this one really has a creepy kid syndrome. And not the not the girl that's committing all the the, the horrors in this movie with her right. hair pulled down in front of her face. But the child of, uh, of our star who is oh. just a creepy child that has some connection to the, you know, to the spiritual side. And it's just right. weird through this whole movie. Yeah, so we are watching The Ring, if you didn't uh, didn't catch that when Stephen's talking about this. The Ring is interesting because it came out at a time in my life when, um, well, it actually was a little earlier than when a lot of us my age started watching horror movies when we were like in junior high and stuff. Mm-hmm. I did, as I was going through uh, American horror movies remade from Asian horror movies, yeah. I remembered I have watched the remake uh, the American version of The Grudge. Yeah, with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. I was going to bring that one up. That was kind of scary. Yeah. Because we, we go, yeah. Ah, <laughs> yeah. which was fun to do to people after we saw that movie. Uh, but The Ring was not one I have watched, and it is one that has spawned like two sequels. And, mm-hmm. and a uh, it's remake been, it's, is it's coming been up parried, or something. Yeah, and it's been parried a lot with The Girl Probably. coming out of the television screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is still different. So much as a launch boot. But this is the first time... I have watched this film, and I had to watch it by myself because Aubrey is boycotting this section of Zach on film on the ground. Like she has the last nine hundred and fifty-two yeah. episodes of Zach on film. <laughs> Usually, I can convince her with some, or she'll at least like be in the room. Yeah, but this this section of films, I am cordoned off to the office, uh, destined to watch these alone. Well, uh, I mean, okay, which is fine yeah. because thankfully. I did not find the ring that scary. Really? I th- no. So the thing that the thing that I find this, why I think this is a little scary, and, and you're right, I it's not something that I'm sitting here jumping and stuff. I mean, I was yeah. doing other things. Yeah. Uh, at about the midway point, I was like, okay, here comes this part. Here comes this part. Yeah. Um, for me, what makes it the horrifying part part mm-hmm. is the there's this unknown factor, right? I mean, if it's it, it, 
compared to um, Michael Myers, mm-hmm. eh, that's serial killer stuff. I can deal with that. I don't find that scary. But when you get into some kind of like weird supernatural stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of that's kind of the part where occasionally I'll be like, okay, uh, this is gonna be weird, and then you realize that all the technology in this movie is totally wrong, and then you're like, okay, this movie's not scary. <laughs> that but, is an interesting. But it does thing. have a creep factor sure. to it. I mean, this is a different kind of horror film than you know Freddy Krueger who is sticking his blade hand up through people's chests or anything like this. This is really bordering on. Here is this mystery that someone is trying to solve and some weird crap is happening. Mm-hmm. And then at the end you realize, oh my gosh, yeah, it's, he was his own mother all this time. Right. Kind of stuff. The psycho kind of terror. Yeah. It, is that psychological horror stuff that you get from like a Shirley Jackson short story or something? Yeah. Yeah. The, the supernatural paranormal type horror movies is a discussion I have with people I've told them about this because a lot of people have very strong opinions on horror movies Mm -hmm. and specifically a lot of people I know say I can they can deal with like Michael Myers type Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. but when it gets in to the spooky spookiness or like the unexplained paranormal things or or possession they like they can't handle it it's too much for them. They can't wrap their heads around it and it becomes too scary. They can't watch it. Right. And, And I think the reason for that is for. Hundreds and hundreds of years, we've heard stories of hauntings. Mm -hmm. We've heard stories of ghosts and demon possession and things that have gone bump in the night. We have modern day tales like the Amityville Horror, which is supposedly, quote unquote, based on real life events. And so when you hit those moments and you see people telling these tales, then there is something about it. I'm not saying necessarily this one, although this one has a lot of elements to that. Um, but when you hit stories like that, um, Matthew, what's your, you like those paranormal, um, what is it? That, that, paranormal activity. Yeah. yeah. You like that series because it, it kind of has that same kind of thing, that supernatural ghost stories, a haunting, all of that yeah. stuff that kind of creeps people out because it, it really goes back to those things that go bump in the night. Let's burn down the village. Let's uh, dunk that witch in the water kind of stuff. <laughs> and so I think that's why a movie like the ring can work. It's definitely my jam. I mean, this is this is uh, of a, of a similar vein, I think, to the Twilight Zone stories mm-hmm. that I grew up loving, mm-hmm. or Tales of the Unexpected, the weird, completely inexplicable EC Comics horror story. And I think that the reason that some people can go a Michael Myers or a Jason Voorhees, I can handle. But this is something different is because a Jason Voorhees is something you can comprehend. Jason Voorhees, even with, you know, the superpowers that he seems to accrue as the movies go on, is basically a big man with a knife and a mask. And Mm -hmm. that is unnerving. But it's something you can comprehend. It's unnerving in a completely understandable way. Whereas this is some weird possible ghost who completely defies the laws of how VHS works. (laughs) And, you know, it's something that is really beyond comprehension and the rules don't apply. Right. I mean, aside from the fact that if you're being chased by Jason through the, through the woods, he may run faster than you and get ahead of you. Yeah. So never turn around. That's one thing. Yeah. Yeah, Never turn around, never stop, never slow down. But, this is something where the laws of physics don't even apply. I mean, mm-hmm. when they start busting through the floor, I'm like, that's that's not how construction works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and that's that's the other thing, too, is 
when you're watching a Friday the 13th or a Halloween or, uh, you know, whatever the other one might be, Halloween. House uh, of a Thousand House Corpses. House of a Thousand Corpses. You've got the monster appearing like every 10 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody's going to die every 15 minutes in this movie. It's a slasher film. That's the way slasher films work. Right. What I think makes The Ring really interesting and why it receives such favorable reviews when it came out in 2002 was you knew that something was going to jump out and grab you, but you had to go through this shaggy dog story to get to that point at the end where you're like, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why, that's why this works. I like the mystery. I mean, again, if we're talking cosmic horror stuff, the part of it, like Matthew saying, and what I had said earlier, TV and VHS doesn't work this way. You can't, you can't adjust (laughs) that horizontal uh, skew all the way and see more than what's there, right? You can't see that. But it's That's that not how it works. But but it is that cosmic horror that really weird this makes no sense that freaks a lot of people out. Mm-hmm. I got I got to tell everybody. This what? is a secret. Oh, no. So if anybody No, I'm not even going to spoil. It. I'm going to wait a couple of weeks. Oh no, why? Because I did something to somebody and and this person showed it to me and I was like, "Oh, Okay, this is going to come off better than I. I'll, I'll tell everybody in a few weeks. All right, but I don't want it because I know this person may be listening, um, and I don't want anybody who knows this person to spoil it. Okay, because it's got like three or four weeks of build of build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's is, and that's think, the fun part, right? right? So you know, you get a weird something that arrives at your door, yeah, and you have no idea what it is, and right. you're like, okay, well, that's not a big deal, and then it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And then you're like, ah, when when suddenly comes someone turns around the corner. And that's what The Ring is. Yeah, it is not a movie that I expected to be an interesting investigative journal <laughs> movie, journalism movie. Yeah, this is the problem with investigative journalism. <laughs> is that I didn't expect a lot of tracking down uh, history about an island uh, in Oregon. I didn't think... This is the way the movie was going to go down, it, which is such an interesting thing about horror movies that I think continually pops up is specifically trailers can make a horror movie seem way more scary than it actually is. I think because yeah. like the Get Out trailer mm-hmm. makes it seem like it's going to be jumpy, scary, constant, constant, go, yeah. go, go. And from everything that I've seen of The Ring, I, I to expect the girl Samara to come out of the TV only one time was disappointing. I thought the whole thing was she just came out of the TV like every 15 minutes and then killed right, someone. Right, right, right. But in reality, we got a lot of uh, scanning through old newspapers, mm-hmm. looking through old mm-hmm. VHS tapes of uh, psych wards, Well, tracking down old men in barns. And until finally the big reveal. Yeah. Right? So let me ask yeah. you this. You brought up Get Out. Yeah. How is this similar to Get Out? Because Get Out and this movie are, share a lot of similarities. They've got the cosmic horror mm-hmm. aspect going on, this weirdness of mysticism and science uh, mixing together. They both have this long drawn out story that is dropping these weird clues Mm -hmm. throughout. Mm -hmm. And it's not until the very end of get out. Does the craziness happen? Does the horror happen? And so from one aspect, those two movies are very similar. Now their subcontext and the meta text and everything are totally different, but they follow the same pattern of how they're they're telling the story. Yeah. And Again, that was surprising because there's probably like a 45-minute stretch of this film, which is longer than I realized. Mm-hmm. It's like almost two hours, 115, and a half hours 100, 115 minutes is how long it is. 
Oh, that's weird. Okay, yeah. So it's yeah. a lot longer than I expected this horror movie to be. And it's like a 45 minute, 30 minute stretch in the middle of this where it's like not even trying to be scary. Right. You know, it's just building the story of Rachel, played by Naomi, my, yep, Naomi by Watts. Yep. Uh, the story of this girl and this mom and this family and these dead horses mm-hmm. come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. The creepy, creepy, creepy child. Yeah. And it's just like a, like a straight up investigative story. Yeah. It's a thriller. It's yeah. a, it's a real mystery thriller. Yeah. Which I guess, which is why I've been liking watching these movies, even though I don't find them the most scary in the world is that maybe you just can't believe horror movie trailers because some of these movies are a lot different than I ever expected. Right. Which is really interesting. I don't think it happens all that often with movies. You usually have a good well, idea but again, of I th- the movie going into it. And some people were asking us last week uh, after our conversation about the difference between, you know, like a monster movie mm-hmm. and a slasher fic- flick and a horror and a thriller. This one definitely falls into that kind of that thriller category with a horror bent to it. Um it it's not a this is not a universal monsters thing where you've got the wolf man coming out every five minutes mm-hmm. or a Freddy jumping out. It's not a monster movie in that vein. And it's not the sixth sense, which has also got a creep factor to it. Um, yeah, but a creepy th- kid at the center of it and a creepy kid. Yes, definitely at, at the center. But this. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it is a thriller. It's, it is in that category. And I know mm-hmm. when we talk genre. A lot of people like to say, well, this is a horror film. Okay, great. But there's like subgenres underneath that, mm-hmm. that yeah. the Venn diagram includes all of these, but each subgenre doesn't necessarily interact with the other subgenre. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if maybe some of the, some of the tone and some of the way that it kind of subverts an American horror film right. is because it is that remake of the Japanese film, because I realized when you said we're going to watch the ring, I'm like, Oh, I've seen the ring. And I'm like, no, I have not. I have seen Ringu. I've seen it dubbed, Mm -hmm. but I've never seen this version of the film until literally like five minutes before the show. But the pacing of the movies is similar to identical throughout like the first chunks of the film. And I think that maybe because we're dealing with kind of, instead of a, a monster or a zombie or something, of a Western perspective, we're dealing with like the Eastern yokai kind of yurei mm-hmm, monsters mm-hmm. that aren't the ghosts and goblins that we know here. Whoop! I think we lost. Matthew. Oh no! Do you remember watching um, Spirited, Spirited Away? Away? Yeah, I do remember watching it. And you remember that there were there were ghosts and monsters in there that, on the one hand, when they first start out kind of seem cute and kind of seem okay. And then suddenly they turn in these giant rage, scary monsters. And I think that that's what Matthew is trying to get out there when we're looking at a different culture and trying to adapt that, that horror into us. Is that right, Matthew? Hang on. My thing disappeared. His thing disappeared. That's, you know, really unfortunate. Yeah. I think that the terrible thing is the internet. Because the internet is the worst monster of them all. Well, you know, there is a uh, whole horror genre going on now that is Mm. looking at the internet as your venue of horror. So in this case, The Ring, it's all these VHS copies, right? It's all technology. Firmly firmly entrenched in, you know, early 2000. Yeah. 
when you look at what is and, it? Uh, unfriend me? Is that the name of the? Yeah, unfriended. 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 When you look yeah. at unfriended, that's all about the internet yeah. and this thing Such that goes to the internet. Such a wonderfully dumb movie, just full of social media and. Yeah, uh, but I mean, our one of my biggest complaints, and people who have listened to the show forever know that I kind of get r- rankled up about how technology has ruined many genres. In the horror genre, they've totally embraced technology and are like. Man, what is this crazy thing called AOL Instant Messenger? Let's turn it into a horror movie, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, technology will change, and so instantly the ring in today's standards is super dated. Like or it could get so later. scary that because kids will have no idea what a VHS <laughs> is soon. That's true. Like four years after this, um, another movie came out that came to America as yeah, one missed call. Oh, okay. Oh, One yeah. missed call was all about cell phones and how cell mm-hmm. phones is going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Was that the Stephen I, King one? What was the Stephen King one where everybody who had a cell phone on one day, a signal went out and they all turned into mindless zombies? I think that was Pulse. Maybe that's what that was. One missed call is the one where if your phone rings, you die mm. or something. Yeah. And I, you know, I haven't seen it. It's got the girl from A Knight's Tale. Shannon. Oh, Shannon. Sh- yeah, yeah, yeah. Sussman. Sen- Sassafras, Shannon Sassafras. But yeah, and I'm like, you know, as this goes on, it really is kind of the ring with updated technology. And I'm wondering, you know, if Unfriended a few years after that is taking that social media, five years from now, are we going to see the same thing, a horror film that eats you in 140 characters or less? (laughs) Well, and what we'll see next week is... I mean, yeah, I'm not even going to talk about next week's yeah. film yet, but I mean, it's it's Don't also it. taking a yeah. look at something it's that's always super relevant. Right. So the uh, before I got to the end of the ring yeah. and realized the way that you don't die is by making a copy of the tape, mm-hmm. which is interesting. It's by killing somebody else. Is, is by, in, you know, breaking uh, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to figure <laughs> out how... I mean, it would just make so much the to do this. Hold on. Let me get my thoughts to do this movie up to date now yeah. before knowing how you actually don't die. Right. I'm like this movie would be terrifying if it was in 2016 because everyone would just be file sharing the crap out of this video and then we'd right. all die. No. Well, because then, everybody I, well, shares it well, and you I, don't die. I didn't know that <laughs> when I was thinking about it because I hadn't got to that part of the movie yet. <laughs> Right. But then, but then, but you're right. It would have gone viral, and everyone would have had a copy of it. Yeah, because, and, and that's the other like, thing about. And it would have been great because then producers could have been like snuck in, like, mm-hmm. "Oh, have you seen this video? It came from the dark web." Yeah, 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 and oh, it got out of the dark web. There has been something like that. <laughs> I'm trying to think. What the heck? Dark web. There is a movie, and one of our listeners will write in and tell us. But there was a movie that was kind of that way, where it was a viral video type monster horror thing uh, but vhs yeah. well VHS. there was vhs but that's kind of the, and then vhs 2 and yeah. then vhs 3 is that the anthology rec yeah isn't oh, i don't it, remember if rec was that or not i, I think VHS rec was, was the original was the original name and then it came to the united states and they changed it to vhs i don't remember but vhs is uh is an american hmm. film rec is a spanish film yeah i, I don't think know if it's the, the same one or not i think the american was an ad- adaptation of that is that not the but anthology they, film? Yeah, it's an anthology okay, film. The anthology, it basically, the first one starts out with kids breaking into a haunted house and finding out that there's these videotapes and watching them. And then as they watch the tapes, the anthology portion of the story is what they see on the tapes. 
Oh, cool. And then there's VHS two, where you know the whole thing seems to be tied together. So instead of being an anthology, it's basically an indication that the whole world is sliding into hell. Sweet. And then I believe VHS three is the one where it becomes clear that everything is being manipulated by this evil cult of darkness, and we're all going to die. Cool. And they also specifically tweak really hard on the. They're watching these cursed tapes, and so are you. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder. You are watching the cursed tape too, you schmuck. I wonder, you know, I now that I'm thinking about it, I said that when you watch a, a movie like The Ring, it feels dated mm. because of the technology. I also wonder if that could also be part of the appeal, part of the retro appeal of, of this, right? Where you would start a, uh, circulating a, um, an 8-track and it's like, if this ever stops playing in your car, you die, right? Mm -hmm. And people are like, what is this? I mean, there would be this this kind of like awe, kind of mystery, kind of don't touch oh, it okay. kind of stuff around it because it's something rare and something we don't understand. But if it comes to file sharing, everybody understands that. Let me hit my Twitter, right. boom, and it's right. done. I, I wonder if yeah, there would be a retro appeal of, to horror. It's kind of funny, you know, way. like how vinyl albums are really are, coming yeah, back because you're like, playing backwards and the devil talks to you yeah or like uh yeah, jack <laughs> jack yeah, white's last case. album came out and there was like a what did he call it like a set back track back. or a, a lock track on it yeah. where essentially it just played forever it got yeah, into yeah. the final groove and yeah. just went like that would be fun to mm -hmm. mess with and like you heard a frequency and then you died or something like that yeah 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 but like hipster horror like all of hipster the cool horror. all of the cool hipster stuff you're horror. now embracing <laughs> is going to kill you <laughs> But that actually will work. Because it will. Part of the thing, part of the thing that makes horror scary is a sense of immediacy. And so that sense of immediacy sometimes does, in this case, for instance, lock you down to a time of Motorola StarTax and mm -hmm. Super VHS tapes and a world that is clearly 2002, if only from looking at Noah's terrible haircut. Well, I mean, this is clearly now, 15 years later, it feels like a period piece. Yeah. And it's scary because of that. And if you, you know, when we get to The Omen, but if you watch things like the Amityville Horror and those 70s Hammer Horror films, mm -hmm. they're very much locked into a specific place and time. And they're they're scarier for it because it's it's familiar, but it's also alien because it's 1973. I None of us remember what 1973 was sure, like. Sure, I do. But Long you, lines you of gas not. stations. You don't remember a Nixon. thing. You were two years old. No, I was three. You were three. Uh, so, you but here's here's the other thing that's kind of interesting about this is, I when I was going back to the wiki page and all that other stuff, I was like, this movie came out in two thousand two. Mm -hmm. I could have swore that this movie came out like in ninety eight, like four years before, because it means that mm -hmm. my wife and I would have gone to see this movie together, and I distinctly remember her not being around when I saw that movie. Did you watch the Japanese original? No, because I saw this in the theater and I oh, could, really? I would, I would bet money that I saw this when I was in California mm -hmm. or even before when I was in Atlanta, but probably not Atlanta. So it would have had to have been California. And it's just that weird time period in my life where there was so much change going on between 98 and 2001, 2002, that this just kind of got globbed in with <laughs> all of the rest of that, that time period. But here's Your the other brain thing. Just kind of agglomerated it all together. Yeah, but here's the other thing that's kind of crazy because I really got into Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell in like '95 when mm -hmm. I discovered him, and the rest of the country discovered him because of a tragic accident. Uh, but I, you know, I followed him in his career all the way up through about 2000, 2001, 
uh, or uh, must have been right around 2000 when he quit the first time. And so I was all into all the conspiracy theory, all the other stuff. So if you were told that there's a VHS tape that's out there, mm-hmm. that if you watch it and in seven days you die, you get a phone call and in seven days you die, I would have been like, ah, yes, I believe all that. <laughs> Very much the same way that Matthew bought into the Blair Witch Project. Um, oh, yeah. But again, in 2002, I remember watching this and going, yeah, that's really funny. That's real. I mean, that's really kind of scary in bits, but. That's not how that's not how VH works. <laughs> but I, but but, I, but if we talk about the movie itself, it's masterfully shot and edited together. And again, back in the day, jump cuts. This is not a movie. You know, the the way to do a movie is not through many, many jump cuts, one right after the other. You had a way of doing stuff. So this felt when you watched it very different because of the just chaotic editing sequence, the yeah. little one flash frame of of a horse eye or blood or a fly or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Uh, and then just, if you watch the composition and, and the color grading in this film, it's, yeah. it's great. I mean, three people having a conversation about something you think would be really boring, but look at how, uh, Verbinski stages, stages that action. And you're like, Oh my gosh, he's using blacks and whites and depth and the yeah. position of those characters to really lay out a perfectly framed shot. And yeah, it's, and it's super cool. Is- it's just full of moments where when I think back of it, the whole, you know, the entire movie did not take place on a, you know, a dark October afternoon, but there are, my brain is like, yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. (laughs) It was totally eerie and strange and kind of alien. And it was always cold and no sunshine and other Tom Petty quotes, which just make me sad now. But when I was sitting and looking at this, Sometimes I would get distracted of what was going on the screen. I wouldn't necessarily be listening to the words because I'd be like, wow, the composition of that shot is fascinating. Yeah. That the, the whole sequence on the ferry Mm -hmm. with the 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 terrifying horse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm just like, holy moly. And the sequence is basically just a horse getting loose and running around, which is, you know, it's a Hardy Boys short. It's it's not a Hardy Boys. It's a Bowery Boys short. It could be comedic and stupid, but in the way that they cut it and the way that it's put together, that crazy horse is one of the scariest things in the whole film. Just, ah. Uh, and then, then, of course, we get the, at the end of that whole thing where the horse, you know. Goes, well, and then the other thing is, as you're watching this, I don't know if you've ever seen a movie called Seven, or not, not seven. Um, seven. No, no, no. What was the one with Michael Douglas and he, his life just goes crazy, not falling down. Ah, crap. I'll, I'll figure it out. But it had this really gr- weird conspiracy theory uh, aspect to it where when you watch it oh, one way. the star chamber? No, 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 no. I'll find it here in a minute. Um, okay. But the, the cool thing that's uh, in the ring is she watches that tape mm-hmm. and everything that happens that she sees in that tape, she then experiences in real life, which then makes the audience have to sit down and really focus and really pay attention to all the images, even the ones that are flashing up there for just a brief second, because that has, that will show up later in the movie. And then that makes it even more terrifying because if you watch that tape, is it the same for everyone? Because every time we see someone else watching the tape, it's always right there at the end where the uh, where it's the well, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime we're seeing it from uh, Naomi Watts's point of view, she's seeing this stuff. So I wonder if the tape is different if someone else watches it. Like instead of the ladder, instead of the horse falling off the boat, and we see that churning blood in the water, if someone else 
gets something completely different. Ooh. That'd be fun. The, the Michael Douglas we... movie I'm, I'm thinking of is The Game. Oh, I haven't seen that one. It's, it's another one where you were presented the story, and mm-hmm. then at the end you're told everything you've been told is wrong. Or is it? And so you have to spend... Hours, you have to spend hours and days after watching that movie going like the shining. Well, if that happened, then did that mean this happened and how did they coordinate this and how did this happen and all this other stuff? And it really makes you think. Hmm. And this one kind of does the same way in that you are constantly watching to see, okay, where is that one shot going to appear in the film? And then if you watch the, the ring all the way through, you're like, oh, did they really do that? And so you want to watch it again and say, okay, here's all the stuff that's on the VHS tape where does it now appear in the film? So you're watching it again for these other things and trying to tie it in. And so there's like, a different level of, yeah. of um, interest that comes from that. I feel like for the most part there, don't they point out fairly, obviously all of the scenes from the they tape. They try to, the but they don't, movie? some of them they don't make, I mean, they're there and they have to be super obvious because it's like, Oh, here's this churning blood scene. Oh, well that's what was right. on the ferry. When yeah. you see it, it has to make that obvious connection, but some of them are just really short you know, five frame bits mm-hmm. that you're like, Oh, right. is that in that or not? Mm-hmm. So it really starts to mess with your, starts to mess with your, with your mind. One of the sequences that I really did enjoy from an editing and composition and just the way they structured completely was when Rachel was doing a lot of research mm-hmm. and ended up with her scribbling out the face Faces, in the photo. Yeah. Cause, uh, just going and jumping back to her pen moving, you could, I think you're supposed to initially think she's just writing notes, but Mm -hmm. then she's just constantly moving it and scribbling it. And like the, the sound of the pen continually gets louder to the reveal of that. She's Mm -hmm. doing the Mm -hmm. get rid of everyone's faces thing that is throughout the entire movie. In fact, it made me think to just go back and watch films where there's, you know, three or four minute sequences of characters researching things in newsrooms Mm -hmm. just to see, how everyone does it. Cause I feel like there's a pretty set way to do it, but with small variations of how they're showing text on a paper or how the characters interacting with uh, the information they're discovering and how they highlight it on screen to give the audience more clues into what they're discovering. I think that's an, it could be an interesting way to see how they've done that, especially through the decades because we've, we've seen so many uh, research uh, sequences through films and see how uh, that's done. Mm-hmm. One of the big giveaways f- to me that this movie was made in the early 2000s is the fact that it's completely green. Yeah. <laughs> the color grading in this is dreary Seattle. Right. But as if the entire sky is celebrating St. Patrick's Day. Right. And you have to remember, too, that color grading was not used to this effect. To great effect until after Steven Spielberg did um, Schindler's List. Back in 90? Yeah. Um, you know, you do see some stuff, like The Matrix had had a lot of the color grading stuff yeah. going on, and that's the one that really brought it to the forefront. Uh, but, you know, by the time you're still in 2002, people are still like, man, that's not how I would do a film. That's not how yeah. I would color grade or push push the colors that way, or I wouldn't crush the blacks like they've did here and really make it kind of a green and black or a mm-hmm. uh, greenish gray tone film uh, because that's not how, how people would accept something like that. Today, today it's all about, oh, well, we have to push the 
the the lights into the into the orange and we have to push the darks into the blue with everything and we have to give everything a green overcast and so color grading has become this kind of i mean really pushing to an extreme mm. because there's always color grading on you're always going in and, sure. and making the skin a little bit pinker a little bit brighter or whatever adding a little saturation saturation here or whatever but when you look at stuff like Schindler's List and The Matrix and The Ring and then compare to what's going on today, you can see that those are films that really influence people to go that distance and see how far they can push it mm-hmm. to the point where people don't even talk about like editing anymore. The the craft of editing. Everyone wants to say, oh, yeah, what LUT did you use? Uh, what color grade did you use? <laughs> oh, do you have a LUT that I can copy and do? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not about the LUT. It's about, you know, let's tell the story. But people are so, so interested in those lookup tables mm-hmm. uh, in in how they can grade their own projects to look like something else that that, in my opinion, kind of takes some of the craft out of out of uh, filmmaking and really kind of turns it into an Andy Warhol way of manufacturing art. So, so for those of you that don't know, Andy Warhol um, artist question mark. I mean, he really tried to push, he really tried to push uh, popular culture and pop art and try to say that, Art should be commercial or art can be very commercial. So, for example, if you wanted to own the Mona Lisa, there is only one mm-hmm. Mona Lisa ever in existence. But Andy Warhol is like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do this thing with Marilyn Monroe and I'm going to put her in four different colors on a frame. And then I'm going to have a factory of 100 people just silk screening this left and right on top of every canvas they can they can put out in the next five weeks. And then I'm going to sell it for 1999. And that is art. When we look at. Today, when filmmakers are like, or I shouldn't call them filmmakers, movie makers, YouTubers, whatever, are all like, what LUT did you use? I want to use a LUT that mm. that looks just like that video you did. Well, they're kind of Andy Warholing it, right? They're mm-hmm. just kind of basically slapping this on and saying, eh, it's what's popular, therefore we're going to use it. Yeah. I'm, and they don't understand. And I'm not sure that they understand why they're doing that. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, Instagram is an app that I love and yes. I, spend, I spend more time in Instagram because it's mm-hmm. not uh, anxiety inducing <laughs> like every other app in my, but, but in my life I, is. But you know what? But it is it is that to an extreme of right. There are very popular photographers mm-hmm. who have tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of followers, right? Millions of followers. who can do really great work, mm-hmm. and then you find everyone aping their style, right? And that main person is selling their Lightroom presets, yeah. Because why not? Because no, I no. There's not one person. It's just like all of it, all of Instagram, and then and then people go and they buy Instagram Mm -hmm. uh, presets for twenty bucks a pop. Yeah, and then they can make the colors in their photos right look without really understanding why. They're doing that, which or is like why even actually like using like good competition and taking a photo, yeah, which is why I, f- I find there's an amazing trend going on right now of the hashtag no filter, right? Where people are like, <laughs> people are yeah. like, look, I took this picture and I've got a picture on my phone. Zach, you've seen it. The, the sunflower picture um, that I took and I've posted it on Instagram, but it's like, OK, I waited to take that picture of the sunflower until this time of day because mm-hmm. I knew the sun was going to be at this angle and I knew I wanted to use this depth of field to throw the background out of focus. And I knew by compositing it or, or composing it in just this way, the sunflower would be at the angle that I want it to be in. 
and I'll snap the picture and I don't have to adjust saturation. I don't have to pop a color filter on top of it. I don't have to do any of that stuff because that's what it takes to make a really good mm-hmm. photograph. And I don't have to slap a, um, <laughs> I don't have to slap a, um, a, a filter on top of it. Yeah. And then it is, you bring up, I mean, can you talk about color that the research or I don't know, the letting people know what the color palette are is for each film has become so popular in the last well, three, because four we years have, online. Because we have the digital technology right, to do we that. Do and it. what's happened is it's it's been taken out of a purely academic discussion mm-hmm. and moved into a popular discussion, which, you know, there's nothing wrong about that. That's cool when we can take an academic topic and then suddenly turn it into a phenomenon that everyone wants to watch a video on. I think that's cool. Yeah, and but there's like I've there's a website that it went on because I honestly Is it watching the color the, of film. Ugh, I don't know. There's like five of them, but there's one that takes a pixel from like every ten frames or something, and mm-hmm. then like throws them into like a poster, mm-hmm. and then you can search through them, and it'll show you like the frame it brought it from, which is really interesting. And I honestly, while watching the ring, assumed that it would be on there since it had such a non-standard color palette it was working with mm-hmm. it wasn't but there's a lot of other things on there and you can learn and you can look through the decades and how things switched up which is really interesting um but you're right there is this idea that if i just color my footage in a certain way it will be professional yeah and it's i don't know one I, aspect but it's, it's not something it. that's frustrating because so many people then do that and then they are instantly lauded as, oh my gosh, look at how great that looks. And it's like, mm, let's look at the greater picture of what's going on. Yeah. Why are you doing yeah. that? Well, so, so there's, this kind of brings up a, uh, it's probably a discussion for another time. And I may discuss it on an upcoming Finally Friday. But I like to watch a lot of how-to videos, right? It doesn't matter the topic. I will watch how-to videos left and right. Yeah. But I've suddenly started to realize that there's a trend where, some low level YouTuber will create a video about topic X Mm -hmm. and show you how they do it. And then within a day, a mid-level YouTuber, maybe two days, will do a video off the exact same thing, Mm -hmm. exact same topic and the exact same step. And then suddenly a high level YouTuber Mm -hmm. will create the exact same video, exact same subject matter and it's just like this trend of just copy, copy, copy. This time, though, it's the the higher up stealing from the lower ups. And I swear, if I see one more Nifty 50 video on YouTube, <laughs> I'm going to scream because it's like in the last two weeks, I've seen 10 YouTubers that I follow do a video on the 50 millimeter lens and why you should buy one. Mm-hmm. And every single one of them is parroting the exact same uh, points. And I can go back to the person who did it and say, oh, yeah, there's a two week gap between the start of this topic and this person doing this topic. Yeah. I mean, that's just an interesting thing on YouTube overall, but I feel like that's kind of the same thing that's happening with our discussion of the color grading is that someone does it. And then everyone's like, Oh, we got to copy that because that's so cool. We got to do that matrix effector. We got to do lightsabers in our movie because everybody's got lightsabers these days. And there's such a commercial aspect to it too. I mean, that's why you saw so many people doing, yeah, there's so many people did 3d after avatar. Right. Because they saw how much money Avatar made 
And they're like, well, if we just make it 3D and we charge everyone four extra dollars and 25% of people go to that instead of the original, we're going to make like 40 extra million dollars. And that makes sense. And we get to a point then, you have to ask yourself, Matthew, we get to a point where the Hollywood studios are saying, oh, this year's movie theater was season was horrible for us. Box office tickets are, are down. And yet look at what's in the theater. The same thing that you've been giving us for the last five years. Maybe, just maybe you try something new and something different. Maybe that's where the money lies. No, because when you try something new, sometimes it fails. Well, that's okay, too. You learn something. But, but they, they don't learn. Learning from things would be, I mean, that, first of all, would be nearly impossible. Well, let's talk about but it. If you, Go ahead. If you look at, like, say, a, a movie like Mordecai. When they made Mordecai, which is based on something that you've never heard of, featuring a guy that nobody really wants to see, and is a movie that they intentionally picked because it had the capacity to do a shared universe ongoing quadrilogy, that's something where I don't think that they would have learned anything from it. And it was literally that cookie-cutter mentality. Well, but that's I mean, that's where the ring comes from in this in this greater discussion, is not only are people cup, cup, saying, looking at the color grading and copying that in, ad infinitum, but yep. the ring itself is a success in Japan, which means that the U.S. is like, oh, well, if this worked in Japan, <laughs> let's, let's just it remake here. it here. It's just mm-hmm. the same reason that Friends, same way with The Office, same way with a lot of your favorite sitcoms, are not original to the United States. They've been up, they've been lifted from, you know, BBC or they've been lifted from Indian television or they've been lifted from Germany or wherever. And right. then we get to, then we get to the ring, which is following that same mentality. And maybe it brings us back to Gore Verbinski, the director of this film, who before, um, before the ring had done Mouse Hunt, which I think was that. Oh um, my God, no. Nathan way. Lane. Yeah, that was that Nathan Lane movie about them trying to track down the I mouse. watched that movie so many times when I was young. He also. It did, is truly brilliant. He also did The Mexican, which is about a gun, <laughs> and it's got uh, uh, Julia Roberts and Brad Pitt and uh, J.K. Simmons and some other people in there. Then he did The Time Machine. He gets an uncredited mark in The Time Machine, but then he did The Ring, and then he started on. Pirates, Pirates of the, the Caribbean. Caribbean and did da, one, da, two, da, three da, Pirates da. of the Caribbean movies before leaving that to go do Rango with Johnny Depp hey, and The Lone bad. Ranger. Okay. Yeah. With Johnny Depp. With uh, Johnny Depp. <laughs> and A Cure for Wellness, which is doesn't have Johnny Depp uh, in it. Johnny Depp movie. No. <laughs> but you now. Johnny Depp as The Cure. So we see that he latches on to something like, oh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I must be doing something right. 600 plus million dollars. Let's just keep making those. It's got a ton of Oscar nominations. Uh, now yeah. he's now he's been tapped to do the the upcoming Gambit movie um, for Fox, and I wonder he's what like the ninth or tenth guy. Yeah, that movie is in such in such disarray. People can't figure out what's going on there. Some people are Fox. going disarray. Some people are going. But suddenly, array. suddenly people are like, "Oh, Gore Verbinski's on this project. I think it may have a chance for success now." Which maybe who knows. Like the ring, the uh, ring was a did success. Fine. Like did, he did really three well. Pirates of the Caribbean movies, really yeah. success. Although by the time the I don't World's what End, that's one, the one two, I fell. Yeah, uh, I we fell asleep at the end of the, the of, at World's End. Uh, literally on New Year's Eve, my wife and I did were watching really? that. We fell asleep. 
about an hour into it. And wow, we missed so New sure. Year's Eve and we, no, this was like 2007. That's 10 years ago. Yeah. We were young 10 well, years we went, ago. We went and saw the opening day of that one. Really? Yeah. Okay. And, he, and in Hayes, people were dressed like a pirates and stuff. Oh boy. And yeah, we had a drive here. Okay. Um, uh, so, and then he did Lo- the Lone Ranger. And Ringo. Like, Ringo was pretty successful. Yeah, Rango, Rango Rango, was good. Yeah, Rango. Yeah, Rango. that's, Rango. Yeah, that's Rango, the animated Rango. lizard. Ringo, Rango, Rongo, and Irving. That's the uh, animated lizard movie with Johnny Depp. Have you watched the Japanese version of The Ring? I don't know if I have. I, I seem to maybe at some point, because again, when I think about this as being a 2002 release, it's like, I'm pretty sure I may have watched an illegal copy of this in my apartment when I was in California. Yeah. I don't know. Matthew, you said you've seen the original. Yeah. Uh, I have seen the original of The Grudge. Yeah. Um, and I then also That's saw terrifying. the American uh, make of The Grudge, too. So I'm probably yeah. conflating all of these together. Sure. The Grudge came after this, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Because, yeah, because so uh, The Ring starts off. kicked off all the J-horror. Yeah, starts off all the J-horror run stuff. And so while I was watching this, I was, like, reading about the original one, and they seem pretty similar. Uh, but Very then yeah. reading the folklore from Japan that influenced the novel, which influenced the movie, uh, it was really interesting because it goes back to like the 1600s. Oh, yeah. really? And, yeah. yeah, it has some really interesting things. There's different versions of it. And um, there was a well involved in one of them. So that was great that they could uh, get that in there. Uh, but yeah, the idea that so many horror films, especially like in the 2000s that were influential came from Japan and other Asian countries, Korea and stuff like that. It's really interesting. Again, when we look at films that are popular now, we see that they may have been influenced by something outside of the country. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of sad. I mean, it's it's sad that we as, yeah, it is. It's sad as American audiences that we only want to see American-made films. And so instead of sitting down and enjoying Ringu, in the original form and maybe having to read subtitles, we have to have a stupid American English version. Well, because we're, we're, we're ugly Americans who who don't want to appreciate the other culture. A subtitled viewing experience is a very different viewing experience. And I can tell you, you know, recently I've been, you know, watching a little bit more of the super Sentai again. And, you get to a point where it does require all of your attention. Yeah. If if you're watching a movie, even if you're in the theater, you can be momentarily distracted. I mean, there's still a part of uh, The Force Awakens that I don't understand because I've seen it once and I wasn't paying attention for a second. But if you're having to read it in order to know what's going on, it does require another level of attention. and. I, I'll and we do not out. have that ability to do that. Oh, don't even, don't be that guy. That's not true. That's not even the point. It is a different experience to watch something that you're reading and engrossed in on that dual level than it is to just watch a movie. And to some people, when you're watching a movie, you're watching it to relax and to shut your brain down or to be, you know, entertained by something in a passive manner. Whereas if you're having to read what Captain Marvelous is saying and then put it all together in your brain with the, you know, the cues of his acting and his face and the way that he actually yells his lines, it is a different experience. It's a more complicated experience, and I can see why people would be turned off by it. I mean, it's kind of the same thing of when when you and I were growing up, there were still black and white television programs around. 
there were black and white things that you would watch and it'd be, why is this not in color? And it felt like a different experience. And then of course, Ted Turner invented colorization, but I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. Is that it's, it's not necessarily a different viewing experience, right? It's not necessarily a bad thing to want to watch a film in your own language, right. but you are restricting yourself from experiencing new Another forms of art and yes. culture by yeah. refusing to watch anything that's subtitled from a different country. You know, you're, just you're from, missing just from something that's even if it was all in English from another culture that would be fine but we have to remake that film that was highly successful film we have to remake it with american stars or british stars who speak like americans so that we will drive people to the movie theater and again that's this this making not film but making a movie it's the difference between making high art and making uh pop art I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that distinction. I mean, I mean, you're right. You're right, yeah. Matthew. There is nothing wrong with going to a movie and just relaxing and watching a stupid movie that is just dumb so that you can sit there and go, I watched that movie and I turned my mind off for two and a half hours and that was enjoyable and I'm relaxed and I'm ready to go and go do something else. Mm-hmm. Those aren't, but, those aren't, those aren't films. Those are movies. I think that there's a, there are different experiences to be had. I mean, if you've watched a movie and watched an adaptation of that same film, they are not the same experience. Even when they're really close together like this and the original Ringu, you have differences. And the ending of the film is totally very different because the way it ends in America is tailored towards a sensibility, an American filmmaking thought process, whereas the way that it ends in Japan is a lot more to my mind, probably graphic, uh, not necessarily graphic, but there's more room for ambiguity and there's more room for a little more of a downer, mm-hmm. which is something that is you know, strangely enough, even though this movie ends with her deciding to murder a stranger. Oh yeah. Yeah. We should talk about her that. Yeah. Dead eyed child who, Oh boy, that poor boy. If what is he? 27,000 years old now. What stranger died in the ending of this movie? Uh, because in order to save her son, she has to get him to make a copy of that film. Right. And Which then he someone else and then he does his then he turns his robot head to his mother and goes, "But mother, what happens to the person who watches this film?" Meaning it's, the okay. implication is the only way that she's going to save her kid is if they get someone else to watch yeah. the movie and that person dies. Which is Duh. why next week Duh. when we talk about Duh. it follows, you'll find out that there's then similarities between this movie and it follows. Wait right. a second. That's the implication what? of the ending. Yep. That is That's not even, not even, not even. The kid asks his mom, but mom, no, what no, about no. the person who watches get, this film? No, I literally thought this is the dumbest line in movie history. Lock the tape away, you dumb, dumb child. Like your dumb, no. dumb mom should have done. No, because you, you can't, you can't stop the else. signal, man. No, no, no. You can't stop the signal. That's that's what, the way that's what Samara is trying to she, do throughout the whole thing. No. You can't shut her down. You can't shut the signal down. The only thing missing from this film is uh, what's his face from Pump Up the Volume uh, getting on there and saying Samara just wants to get her signal out, everybody. No, the reason she didn't die is because she made a copy. And, and somebody else. Yeah. 
who then died in her place. It's a Final Destination plot. Yeah. This is where Final Destination got it. They made nine friggin' movies in three years with this very same plot because The Ring did it first, Zach. I don't think that's, that's the way yeah, that you no, survive. No, it's totally. That that's, that I don't think is. that's... Oh, oh, no, because if you just, like, make, uh, no, if you just like, make a copy, a copy of the copy. film, if you make a copy of the film and throw it in the trash, that's the end of Samara. That's not how the curse works. But she no. said, it's because so I made a copy. So you're te- not because you just made a copy because you made a copy and show it and shared it with someone. Else. Yeah, because the Thereby boy, the little boy, you. the little boy, when he finds out that his mom burned the tape and she's like, I burned the tape. It's over. And he's like, no, weren't you listening? She wants the signal to get out there. She wants to continue. She wants to spread. You're not supposed to help her. Yeah, that's the whole point of that kid yeah. having a fit at the end of the movie and really turning into freaks. That's. That's what that is, Zach, is she has to make a copy mm. to give her son's death to the next person the way she gave her own death to her boyfriend, Grey's Anatomy. So you're telling me. Yes. Yes. That the only way this boy survives is that they force someone else to well, watch Well, they don't it. have to force it, but they can just they give, give it to it somebody to and say, have you heard that if you watch this tape, you will die in All seven right. days? Okay, no, wait. So this is the problem with that, is that then... Or you just tell him, this is the weirdest video I have What if have they ever don't watch seen. it? Then he dies? He could potentially, okay. yeah. Remember, when we go and she goes and on the island she finds Captain Cohagen from uh, Super Troopers. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I'm creepy. I was the original Hannibal Lecter. Ooh. What did he do with the <laughs> tape? He left it in the Great Wolf Lodge, didn't he? And somebody watched it. Yeah. Human nature took on and his death passed him over and Captain Cohagen got to live on and take care of all the bad people in Spurberry simply because he had that tape out there into the world. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, you know, like that Gwyneth Paltrow movie. Would you push the button if it kills a stranger that you'll never know? It's called The Button. It's, is, is it, it's actually it's a, terrible, a good movie. It's actually a, it's an terrible, interesting movie. Terrible movie. No, it's a very interesting movie. You should watch bad it. Bad movie. All right, I, so... I understand it. I liked it better when it was an episode of The Twilight Zone in 1986. Yes. It's a terrible movie. But here's the thing, Written Zach, by the same you know, guy in both she times. She did, in fact, choose to make a copy and give her son's death to someone else. That's Which, the implication at the end. Yeah, so That's that right. brings up this big question. Stupid is, ending still. No. If, no so oh, the, is, the yeah. question you becomes is, uh, a moral question is... Would you make that copy for your kid? I mean, if you knew that your kid was going to die, if you didn't make a copy of it and give it to someone else, would you let your kid die? Or would you help the kid make a copy and pass it on to someone else so your kid didn't die? This is how the movie should have ended. Well, that is kind of the that is the the question no, because no, 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 because no, Naomi I'm Watts to give you news. Naomi example. Watts looks okay, at him me. after creepy robot head turns and says that to his mom. She turns back and and just quietly. She has no answer for him. She doesn't, she can't tell him it's because I love you and I want you to live. She's basically saying by her silence, I don't give an F what happens to someone else. You are living creepy son and you will live to dress yourself in the morning and make me lunch and tell me where my clothes are so I can have a normal life. And has anyone watched a sequel of this movie? I have not. Ring. I've seen rings or that's the third. That's the third one. Ring two. But I haven't seen ring two. All right, then let's forget that movie. This is how the way this movie should have ended, and she should have been okay. a hero. Uh, the son 
plot line in this movie kind of sucks in general because it just ruins everything because he has way too much information constantly. Because he's she, psychic. Like, and she, and she never kid. actually exploits it to actually learn what the hell is actually ever going on, which is just super annoying. Yeah. And she's like Bad a horrible, pre- and she's a horrible parent. Yes, she's a is, horrible parent. If we were doing a section of parenting learned from Zach on film, it's like, just don't be Rachel. Um, She should have watched the film, understood that the only way but she this didn't continues. Until her, her ex-husband died. It doesn't matter. She should have understood. She should have let herself die, and Sacred. kept the and, and destroyed I, the tape. I and asked then Matthew a question. It would have been done. I asked Matthew a question months ago on the Major Spoilers podcast that if he would be willing to uh, let this Earth split back into its original pairings, but he would have to be without his family he would choose to let the earth stay the way it is instead of giving them a happy, peaceful life on the other earth. So you're saying that a parent, yeah. a parent yeah. would yeah. kill themselves yeah. to protect their child as opposed to let someone else die and they both live. Yeah. It's a pretty common story. I think that you, what we're really at right here is we are at one of those, those, classic dramatic what would you moment yeah, yeah. because there's two real thought processes on it i mean from a heroic perspective from the perspective of i am the i am the parent who will sacrifice anything and everything you know if you are willing to die instead of your child or to protect your child or to somehow make your child's life better that's one thing but there's also a question of human nature mm-hmm. which is i want to live you know I, well, I do. I want to live, not just because I, I want my child to live, but I'd also like to be there to, you know, take care of her. Mm-hmm. So if it came down to it, if, you know, a complete random stranger were to die instead of my kid, would that be better than me sacrificing myself for her? And it's really going to depend on a, you know, what day it is that you ask me and who answers the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think. There, there's no right or wrong answer, mostly because we're, you know, having right. one of those theories about we're going to murder somebody. Yeah, what if is this? Well, I had a, right. I had a, I, I play these moral games with myself all the time. For example, the moral game just either today or yesterday was if your child's school was hit by a tornado and you were <laughs> rushing down there to pull the rubble aside to try to get to your kid and you came across a kid just standing there bleeding and was like, can you please help me? I'm lost. Can you help me find my mom and dad? Would you stop what you're doing to help this kid? Or would you keep digging to try to find your kid? Ooh. And that's kind of what this thing is with the tape. Do you let someone else take on the burden and the responsibility of this curse so that you can protect your kid or right. do you let your kid go so that you can save Protect some stranger, some kid you don't know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's you know, it's a, it's one of these things that I sit there and I I play these games with myself and I'm like, OK, well, what are the benefits of this? What are the benefits of that? Mm-hmm. You know, right. you could sit there and argue. It's like, well, my kid may already be dead. If I help this kid, then I'm at least helping somebody or screw this kid. The kid's standing there. It may be bleeding. I need to find my kid. And so you, you weigh these questions of, you know, what is morally right? What is morally wrong? What would you do in this situation? And the end result, when I play these games as often as like, I know what I would like to do, but I know that in the certain situation, I'm going to do what nature has told me to do. 
And if someone is coming at me with an axe, I run. And I may be pushing Matthew or Zach Mm -hmm. out of the way in order to do that. Yeah, don't push me anywhere. But yeah, and that's, I mean, that is another thing that you run into is this movie, and like so many horror movies, does bring up answers that are impossible to really understand until you're in a situation like this. But that's part of the Specifically like this movie. (laughs) yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. That's part of the it's part. Of, it's part of being a parent, Zach. Come on, possessed, pre- possessed these movies VHS are preparing is, you yeah. for your creepy <laughs> child <laughs> moment when your kid walks into your room at two a.m. and they're covered in blood, and you right. freak out and you realize, oh, it's just a nosebleed. Right, I got a little out of part hand. Part of the reason yeah. that she's such a terrible parent <laughs> is so that dramatically at the end, when she chooses to do the, the right, right thing, thing question mark when she chooses to sacrifice uh you know some independent stranger out there to save the life of her terrible dead-eyed robot child um that that's part of the reason why we have so much buildup of she and noah are bad parents they're not a good couple they're not good people they treat the child weird the child is weird because they're weird he's like clearly drawing pictures of people being murdered and this is a huge red flag and she's like oh no it's fine it's just how he thinks I mean, there are moments in this movie where you're just like, God, you're a terrible parent. And then you get to the end and you, you can have some sympathy for her. Well, you can either do what I did, which is to say you are an even more terrible parent. Now what's (laughs) wrong with you? Monster, monster. Or you can go, oh, well, she kind of redeemed herself because even though she's a terrible parent, she made an unthinkable choice to save her child. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here and going, I can definitely understand how difficult a choice this is, but also you're way too young to actually have a child of this age. You know, I'm back on board on what you guys say is the reading of this end of this film. If rings ring to, yeah. you, you know, in Saw, when one of the captive people becomes Jigsaw's, uh, like helper person, like in Saw 3, right. which yeah, I only yeah, watched, I just watched 14 minutes of because yeah. like, Saw, and Saw 6. Yeah. And Saw so five. I want the rings two and like the rings and rings uh, a ring around the rosy to be right. rachel like working with samara and she's just constantly like kidnapping people and because her, them to watch yeah the because her stupid and son keeps watching the tape for some <laughs> stupid ass reason and so she has to like, kidnap people and put them in a chair and watch them and then she just like tortures them for like seven days and she's like, right. she's putting ladders wherever they go, and like, there's a horse all around she's them. She's got all a whole the time. team of people like, yeah, working behind the scenes, she's behind the scenes, specifically staging the right. stuff, yeah, all okay. to keep her son right. alive. Who okay. keeps right. finding this film. VHS? Yeah. Well, that's the other thing that they they also don't answer in this film is what happens if you watch the film again? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, because well, could she should have just watched it again? Yeah. Then offed herself. No, we're just and then, they just could have bounced back gone. and forth. They could have just bounced back and forth between each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, it has she to be the copy. Once, it has to be boosting the signal. The of course original. she did. She she watched it multiple times. That's the whole point of this movie is how many times uh, can true. Rachel watch this movie so that we, the audience, can see all the little hints and all the little clues so that and we can then get to the end. Yeah. The fly and pull the fly out, out etc. Yeah. Okay, here's a question as we are leaving yeah. the episode this week. Okay. Child actors. We've seen it in The Shining, The Ring, and we will see it again in The Omen. Is this a case of really good acting or really bad <laughs> acting, and it just comes off as the creepy child syndrome. We will answer that on October 24th, or the week of October 24th, when we watch The Omen. Super exciting. Next week on Zek on Film, we are watching It Follows. I mean, it came out like, what, 2015? This one came out in 2015. Nailed uh, it. Well, May, when it came out at the Cannes Film Festival. Sure. 
uh, a movie that was got a lot of buzz after the festivals um, when it came out in theaters. It was really popular. I never watched it because, as we've mentioned, I don't like horror movies. But we are finally going to watch it next week on this very podcast. In the meantime, head to Majorspoilers.com where you can find the podcast posting page. Give all of your thoughts and how this movie should end uh, in the podcast posting page uh, for this episode or anything else we've discussed on this. Use Amazon.com. Buy this movie on Blu-ray. It won't cost you extra, but money will come back to Major Spoilers and we'll be super, super grateful. It follows next week on Zach on Film. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.